All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And we're in the midst of the NBA season. A lot to talk about. Um, so let's just jump right into it. So the first thing I want to do is basically imagine that every NBA team had stock, right? And you can buy and sell depending on how you think these teams are going to fare for the rest of the season. So let's just start off with the number one seed in the East, surprisingly, is the Philadelphia 76ers again with no Ben Simmons. They're 8-2 and two right now. Hunter, would you buy or sell for the Sixers? When you look generally at this Eastern Conference, um, I think I'm going to have to go with a buy. I think that this team's legit, not necessarily the one seed. Are we buying into the, the fact that they will be the one seed or buying into the fact that they're legit? What are we buying into? I mean, that's up for you to decide. You you okay. qualify your expectations. Okay. So I'll, I won't buy into the fact that they'll be the one seed, but I'll buy into a top three. I, like, I very much misjudged this team. And obviously only 10 games into the season, you can't say a lot. But it gives us a good sample size to understand the chemistry, um, where these guys stand, like how they play. And I really liked a quote that like both Doc uh, Rivers and Joel Embiid seem to kind of be on the same page on. They were like, Doc Rivers said something about these guys have no distractions. This is a really good group of guys. And Joel Embiid was like, yeah, we're all focused. The, no problems here. So this really kind of shows they moved on from the Ben Simmons drama. And they're like, hey, let's just get done what we need to get done. You know, who cares what happens? We, we can do this. Like, we're, we're, we're legit. And they're proving that right now. And I think some guys have really stepped up. I mean, Tobias Harris has been great. Matisse Tybel has looked just as good defensively as he has ever, and he's really improved his game. Seth Curry is lethal yeah, for them. Let's talk about Seth Curry, dude, because he's averaging a career-high 17 points per game on 60% shooting from the field and 50% shooting from three, which is crazy. Let's get a, a 60, uh, 60, 50, 95 season out of Seth. <laughs> it's doable. I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's him. Yeah, one of the most efficient scorer of all time. Right <laughs> like, no joke, like, based, not based on volume, but as efficiency, he's yeah. probably the most efficient of all time right now. I mean, yeah, he's shooting his splits are what, like 60, 50, 87. So that's actually ridiculous. He's not a 50. 4090 member though. <laughs> nope. So not a 15 in my yeah. But no, yeah. definitely but, dude, like the Sixers are legit. And I didn't see this coming. I did not expect them to be the one seed this early on. Yeah, I mean, I think Joel has really stepped up as well, just as a leader. I mean, I think he's always the leader of this team. But with Ben Simmons gone, I think he's had to do a little bit more of a heavy lifting. Because a problem on this team, I was listening to Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick talk about on his podcast. Um, was this team didn't have a leader, didn't have an identity night to night, like in 27, no, sorry, 2019, when Jimmy Butler was on the team, there was no true leader. They weren't sure on any, on any given night. It could be Joel, it could be him, it could be Ben. They were all like, who is the leader of this team? And now having only jo- Joel there, there's a very defined, clear leader and a clear like determination of like, who's going to get the ball when, which I'm not really sure you had when Ben Simmons was playing for them as often as uh, he is now. I mean, which he isn't playing. I, I will say, though, I don't know if I fully am buying into this. I think 
if anything, I would sell because I fully do not expect the Sixers to remain at the one seed. Oh, I, I don't think they'll be a one seed. I'm, I'm just. I don't even think they'll be a top three seed. I think that once teams start to find their footing, you know, maybe Kyrie comes back for Brooklyn. The Bucks step their, which we are going to talk about in a little bit, step their uh, things together. I think that the Sixers will sort of fall down to that maybe six, five spot. So I would definitely sell the Sixers. You also have to look at the teams they've played. You know, they, they beat the Thunder, the Pistons twice. Um, they beat the Pelicans. They lost to the Nets and the Knicks. They did beat the Bulls twice, and Embiid did hit that dagger against the Bulls, which was a really important shot. And those two wins did give me a little bit more faith in the Sixers' long-term like goals for this season. But I think overall, I definitely wouldn't buy into this team, and I would I would definitely sell a lot. Okay. I, uh, I don't think I'd put them at like the five, six, or six seed by the end of the season. I could see four because I think Chicago and the Sixers are about the same talent wise or like seeding wise. That's where like I put them in that same echelon. Um, but obviously, you have the Heat, the Nets, and eventually the Bucks will get to that place. So I think those three teams for me are like would be above Philly, but I think Philly's pretty close. Fair enough. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the Bucks then. I mean, we've we've sort of referenced them and talked about them on the periphery. So let's talk about them. They're sitting at four and five right now. Um, the ten seed. What are you thinking about the Bucks? Are you buying or are you selling? I'm buying. I'm buying so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying, dude. Bucks are gonna stay here, putting all my money into the Bucks, being the ten seed out of the playoffs, out of the postseason. Giannis is trash. Giannis is going to average 10 points per game this season. No. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, this is a very obvious sell. I mean, the Bucks just haven't found their footing this season, starting a little slow. Um, oh, wait, no, 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 hold on. That, that, like, if you're buying into them, that means you think they're going to do better than they are doing now. Okay, okay, okay. My, my bad. <laughs> I, I was mis, misusing terms. I was switching them around. Okay, in that case, okay. I'm putting all my money into buying – the Milwaukee Bucks stock because that is going to skyrocket. That's going to make me tons of money. Um, no way they stay here. It's just pretty clear. The, the previous NBA champions will not be the 10 seed. I agree. And I think, you know, this is a team that's had to deal with some injuries and just COVID things. I mean, I think Chris Middleton tested positive for COVID. So he's been out and he's going to be out for a little bit more. Um, and Brooke Lopez has been out with injury. So yeah, I mean, they're missing two important players. I obviously think that they're in a little bit of a slump right now. Uh, some of the teams they've lost, like, like the loss to the Timberwolves, they lost to the Spurs. The uh, Knicks. They did lose to the Knicks. By and the Jazz. And they got smoked by the Heat by like 40. And that was with Chris Middleton. So I think they're definitely going through a little bit of a slump right now. But uh, yeah, these this was the Reigning champs, I think I fully expect them to find their footing. I mean, Giannis is still playing at a, at a terrific level. He's averaging, what, like uh, – 27, 10, and 6. Yeah. So he's playing at an MVP level still and even a defensive player of the year level, if we're being honest. It's just yeah. waiting for the averaging whole two, – He's averaging two blocks in the steal right now. 
and he just looks like he Giannis hasn't lost a step. It's just the rest of the team is just finding their footing right now. And, uh, I would like to say the the Bucks are now officially four and six. They lost to the Wizards. Four and six. All right, I've seen enough. I'm selling. Uh, I think the Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks they will be tanking this season, and I fully expect to see them in the draft. <laughs> After that, nah. But I mean, like seriously, how many times have we seen teams? that we know to be good and know to be championship contenders struggle at the beginning of the season for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I just think that this is just a case of early season slump. Bucks will figure it out once their players get back. All right. So moving on to the next team, do you want to talk about the Raptors? They're a pretty interesting one. Uh, they're six and five right now sitting at the eighth seed. Um, they did just lose to the Nets. I mean, that, that is including that, so they're still 6-5. and five. Um, But this is an interesting team. I think most people did not have on the radar they even be in the playoffs. If people had them at the uh, bottom of the barrel in the East. So what are you thinking? I mean, I like this team a lot, actually. I think that we're seeing a big step up from, from OG Ananobi. He's averaging 20-5 and five this season, which is, you know, a big step up from last season. Um and he's just playing at a terrific level, still giving that great uh, effort on the defensive end. Fred Van Vliet, and what about Revelation and Scotty Barnes? Like, what a great pick that was. There's a lot of questions about his abilities. Um, but he's fit in perfectly on this team. And this is a team that, that's gritty, and they fight. They fight every game. And I, I, I do like their odds for this season. I like their coach a lot, Nick Nurse. You know, he knows how to make a team more than the sum of their parts. And in an Eastern Conference where there's still a lot of teams figuring it out, I think that they could end up being that eighth seed. So maybe like a ninth seed, but I would, I would buy and say that this is around their level. I guess if there was a, a intermediate option between buy and sell, just like hold my stock, I would hold it because – I don't see them really making tremendous move upward or downward. I'd sell just because if you look at the teams below them in the standings, I don't think there's any way they stay above those teams. And those teams being the, the Hornets, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Hawks. Um, those four teams are definitely better than the Raptors. Um, so I'm not sure that I can say that they'll even stay at the eight. I could see them being in the play and maybe the 10 seed. Um, but, but do you think that the, like the Cavs and the Wizards are going to stay there? I, I think the Cavs are going to fall, but the Wizards won't. Okay. I mean, we are going to talk about the Wizards and the Cavs later, so I guess I'm jumping the gun a little bit. But yeah. before then, let's, let's move to the West really quick. Let's talk about the Kings. Uh, who could have expected the Sacramento Kings to be the sixth seed right now, sitting at a 5-4 and four record? What do you think about Sacramento? Um, I'd sell just because, I mean, Harrison Barnes is very clearly overperforming. I mean, I can't say – I can't be like, oh, Harrison Barnes sucks or anything like that. He's obviously playing incredibly, um, but I don't think this is sustainable for an entire season because there's nobody who really becomes a, a bloomer in the NBA at the age of 30. And, and, hey, he could – maybe he could. Maybe he really could keep doing this. But even if he does, I really – couldn't see the Kings beating out some of the competition below them. 
Um, I'm not sure who the Kings have played, so let me just quickly check that. Yeah, so their losses were against uh, the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Warriors, and the Jazz again. So all of their losses were to good teams. But all of their wins were against the Hornets, the Pelicans twice, um, and the Blazers. The Blazers uh, obviously started the season really cold, but then they also beat the Pelicans twice and the, the Hornets, who are obviously not top-tier teams. So, I mean, they aren't really losing. They're, they're losing to the teams they're supposed to lose to, and they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, but once it gets to, like, the end of the season, once they've done that, once they've lost to all the teams who are better than them and beat all the teams who are worse than them, that's going to leave them in about the 10th seed would be my guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that I would, I would sell as well. I think they're clearly gotten lucky with, like, not lucky, but they've gotten a lot of favorable matchups, and that's allowed them to get to this winning record. And, yeah, I think Harrison Barnes, I think he's going to sustain this level of play. Maybe cool off on the scoring, which he already sort of has. I could expect like 18 to 20 points, maybe like nine rebounds, uh, something like that. Um, but I do expect them to – like there's a chance for them to get better. De'Aaron Fox is in a huge slump as we're talking about – as we will talk about later. Um, wow, this whole episode is just like a preview for later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, we really. talk about later 10 times already. But, I mean, Rashawn Holmes is balling. Like he's shooting the ball at a tremendous – uh, tremendously efficient rate. I think he's shooting. Let me pull it up real quick. I think he's shooting like sixty or seventy percent from the field, which is crazy. Yeah, he's shooting the like seventy percent field goal percentage and sixty-seven percent from three. So he's a tremendous not sustainable. <laughs> uh, Rashawn Holmes' style of play, though, for his field goal percentage is because he utilizes a lot of jump hooks. He scores in the post. He takes really efficient. No, the field goals are obviously not the three pointers though. I mean, he doesn't take that many. So, I don't know. Definitely not, like, 67, but, like, pretty high. could be around the 40s. Yeah, no, definitely. And, obviously, uh, you know, you still have Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton on this team, and Davion Mitchell, who has given a lot of great defense to this team, but he's been shooting the ball super inefficiently, too. So, I don't know what it is with the air in Sacramento, but nobody can shoot the ball except for Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just – I don't know. And Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that, but basically I think that, you know, there's a lot of fluctuation on this team in terms of players getting better and worse that we predict. But I think that the Kings should hover around that 9 to 10 spot later in the season. So I would sell. Okay, moving on to the East – or back to the East, I should say. I just want to say uh, let's... That, that that was maybe the worst analysis I've ever done in my whole life <laughs> on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just ignore it. We'll just be like, okay, Rafa, you're special. We love you. And then uh, move on. <laughs> Moving on to the Celtics, though. Uh, what's going on with them? They're four and six right now. That makes them the 11 seed in the East. Um, you know, this is kind of puts them in a similar predicament to where they were at uh, previously during the bubble in last year. Um, you know, they have lost to the Bulls, the Wizards twice, the Raptors, the Knicks, and the Mavericks um, with Luca's crazy buzzer beater. Um, and they've beat the Heat, the Magic, the Hornets, and the Rockets. So what do you say to this team? Are you buying or are you selling? As a 11 seed, I have to buy, but very tentatively. Like, I'm buying 
for them to get into the play-in, basically. I don't think this is going to be a playoff team. I take back my predictions about the Jason Tatum having an MVP season, MVP-type season. I don't think so. He's shown me none of that. He's shown that he's terrible in the clutch, as we said. He's shown to me that he's not that guy on this team. And honestly, Jalen Brown might be the best player on this team. That might be a hot take, but that's all. What he I'm is. That's what I've been seeing so far this season. And I know that might make some Celtics fans upset to hear, but I think it's true. And this team is basically just Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and then just a bunch of other people because that's how Brad – not even Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka runs this team. And I think that their bench – I really overrated their bench. I – bought way too much stock into Robert Williams' ability and how much of a jump he was going to take. He has played pretty well, but I thought he was going to take a bigger leap. Um, Dennis Schroeder's been good, but it's just Dennis Schroeder at the end of the day. And the end of this bench is just, like, disgusting, frankly. You have Josh Richardson, who convinced us for a little bit, was a good player, but is really not a good player. Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Jabari Parker. Like, these are these are not guys – who are going to be contribute meaningful minutes on a solid playoff team. So I will buy into the Celtics, but I'm going to spend like $4 on my stock buy because I don't think they're making it very far up. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to like, I guess, sell. I think this is where they stay. You really um, you think the Celtics are going to stay in the 11th game? Yeah, honestly, I think looking at the the squad, even the squad's even behind them, ahead of them. I don't see much movement. I think the Hornets are better than them. I think even arguably the Cavs, which is shocking to say. Um, I just think that this Boston Celtics squad has no real direction, no real leadership. I mean, obviously you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but I think there's a conflict of interest in their leadership styles, um, and even in the way they're coached. If you look at some of these Celtics games, there was a game where Jalen Brown was red hot for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, when it was a close game, Jason Tatum was the one with the ball, even though Jalen Brown was the one who had the hot hand. And Jalen Brown was just sitting in the corner waiting to get the ball. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, what are they doing? It's like almost like they say in the fourth quarter, okay, Jason, go do something for us when it doesn't even matter if Jason's playing. They just are like, okay, Jason, make something happen. And that's kind of how they play. They kind of just do iso ball. One of our two best guys is going to do something, and that's it. And that's not how you play basketball. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But I do think that, like, they will figure it out a little more. And there's enough talent on this team with Al Horford, with the, J- the, the Jays, with Marcus Smart to get them to, like, at least the playing tournament. I don't think they're going to miss the playing tournament altogether. That's why it's, I bought all of this. Speaking of the Celtics as well, I mean, I can talk about this really quickly, but even Marcus Smart was talking about how he was having some issues with this team, generally speaking. Right. He was having an issue with his minutes, his just generally how much he has the ball. He's a little upset. Um, and Kemba actually talked about this a little bit and chimed in on his experience with the Celtics and kind of talked about how it was a nightmare, just a locker room nightmare. Um, and he, when Blake Griffin was a free agent um, after getting dropped by the Pistons, he was looking to come to the Celtics. So he called up Kemba and asked him, he was like, hey, what's the deal? Like, 
what's the word on me coming here kind of stuff. And Kemba Walker was basically like, go anywhere but here. You don't want to be in Boston. Like that was very much the message he sent. So obviously something's either going on in that locker room with Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, like I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is about Boston, but I I mean, at least speaking of my experience here, it's been pretty good. So <laughs> maybe, I, maybe you have to rethink it, your words a little bit, but I don't know. I think that the Celtics are going to figure it out a little bit and make it to like the playing tournament. But yeah, I think I'm not big on the Celtics as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to another team with the same record in the East, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Very hot in the postseason last year, obviously. Um, they're four and six right now, making them the 12th seed or technically tied for the 11th seed with the Celtics. What do you say to this? I really don't know what to make of the Hawks. I think that... Are you buying or selling? Oof. I mean, I, I think I have to buy, you know, like 12th seed after making an Easter Conference Finals run. Trey Young still looks good despite, you know, lower efficiency, which I think is in part due to the rule changes. But I think that that's all, they have too much talent on this team to not get better, you know? And... To be honest, I think it just might be the schedule that they've had. They've had to go up against a bunch of really good teams. They played the Jazz. They played the Nets, the Sixers. Um, The only loss you can really put on them is, like, an early season loss to the Cavs um, and maybe a loss to the Wizards that they had. But, um, yeah. Even then, the Cavs and the Wizards are two teams who have been surprisingly good. So it's not like they're losing to the the OKC Thunder twice after blowing 20-point leads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little uh, shout out to my hometown, Los Angeles Lakers. We love the Lakers here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I think that yeah, they'll 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 figure it out. I like I, I keep saying that, but it's early in the season. I think that they lost to a bunch of really solid squads, and the team is still like intact and together um yeah i what do you have to say about the hawks i mean you yeah, are honestly i i would agree i'm buying into this team um and i honestly just think the main reason for that is you said scheduling i mean this they've had a tough tough schedule they even tonight they play or sorry tomorrow night they play the warriors so it, it just keeps getting harder i mean all of their losses are pretty are arguably like losses they should have had um like you said even the Wizards and Cavs, hard teams, Sixers, Nets, Jazz, Suns, all of them are uh, top teams in the league. And the teams they've beat are teams they should be beating. They beat, they went one for one with the Wizards, pretty expected. And then they beat the Pels, the Pistons, and the Mavs. So um, I don't think there's anything like crazy there. I just think they're going to get an easier part of their schedule. Maybe they'll drop one out of maybe five or six games. And then the record's going to look really good again. And we're going to be like, oh my God, the Hawks are back. I think it's just scheduled. I agree. And I think that, you know, a couple of players are going through some uh, some rough patches for shooting. Like Lou Williams is off to a pretty poor start this season. And we know how big he is for this team. Trey Young, as we mentioned, he's shooting the three ball at a 29% rate. It's not great, you know. And I think that's only going to improve. A lot of the stars around the league came out pretty slow. Um 
Oh, I'd also just like to say their uh, upcoming schedule is Golden State, Utah, Denver, Milwaukee. Yes, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to improve like immediately, but they should improve over time once they start playing, you know, the Pels twice. Once yeah, the, right after that, their schedule is Orlando, Boston, Charlotte, OKC, San Antonio, Memphis. They get like a big break, but yeah. it's rough. It's a rough stretch for them. So they just need to kind of hold on. Honestly, I feel like if you're the Hawks, going 500 through these really hard teams is good enough. 100%. And I think just what's important is just getting back into rhythm. You know, like when you're in a slump and you're a star player like Trey Young, just getting back to, you know, those really efficient shooting games that we know he can have um, and just being the leader that this team needs you to be. I mean, he's still uh, like passing the ball tremendously. Oh, averaging almost 10 assists, which we know he is meant to do. But it's just like getting to be that scoring leader that's averaging like 27 points per game on, on decent efficiency is really where the Hawks need to play at right now. Yeah. So uh, moving on yeah. to the next team, let's talk about the Wizards. Right now they're six and three. Uh, this is a team that has been pretty much a pretty big surprise to us. Uh, especially when we thought they had lost that Wizards trade pretty hard, Wizards-Lakers deal. Um, so are you buying or selling to this team as a 16? This is a team that I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to sell, but, like, just sell a little bit, you know, just sell a, t- a little bit just for some pocket change because I think this team is actually really well-constructed. We talked about how last episode um, this team is – is a, is a team, you know, we're not just relying on Bradley Beal to do everything anymore. The Russell Westbrook trade gave them three really serviceable players in Montrez, Harrell, Kuzma, and KCP. Spencer Dinwiddie on this team, doing his job, scoring the ball, dishing out like six assists per game. Um, and then you have a bunch of solid centers on this team as well. Daniel Gafford, um, Thomas Bryant, you know, and, uh, yeah, I just I like the way this this team is assembled. I think they have pretty good depth, and depth goes a long way in the regular season. And so, I expect them to continue getting these wins. Uh, they've beaten a lot of teams, uh, like that they really shouldn't have. They've really punched above their weight. You know, they got a win over uh, Milwaukee today, which is pretty impressive actually, because even though Milwaukee's struggling, you look on paper that's a matchup they should win every time. Um, and yeah, I just think this team is just very well constructed overall, and I expect them to continue beating teams that they shouldn't on paper. What do you think? Yeah, uh, they're a surprisingly good team, and they're gonna—they're a team that's gonna come out, and they are gonna come with a lot of energy every single night. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, I think they're gonna get a lot of surprise wins or just wins that they wouldn't be expected to get. So I do buy into them around this six seed, maybe seven seed-ish. Um, oh, news update. The uh, Wizards did beat the Bucks tonight, so now they are propelled to the fourth seed at seven and three, tied with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, wow. So do I buy into them being the fourth seed? No. Do I buy into them being like the sixth seed? Yes. Uh, I do see them getting a bunch of surprise wins. And they do have some star power. They have a guy to go to in the clutch and Bradley Beal. And they have guys 
the really solid veteran role players been around the league and for the amount of like slack we like give Kyle Kuzma he is a guy who knows how to play winning basketball um, KCP guy who knows how to play winning basketball they were a part of a you know roster with LeBron so they know the mental side of the game it's just about execution for them yeah definitely um and like also another thing that I gotta say about the Wizards is that they have tremendous potential to get better you know Thomas Bryant is a guy I mentioned he hasn't played for them all season yet and Rui Hachimura too so when those guys come back those are two more pieces that are incredibly serviceable who you could just drop right in and make that work so I'm a big fan of this wizard squad uh I doubt I don't think they'll be the four seed or the six seed actually they, they could they could be the six seed they could I think but, they could be the six seed but I'll, I'll for now I'll sell and say they'll be like a seven seed so and it's hard to say though because I mean you still have teams like let's say it's sixers heat nets bulls bucks hawks like there's a lot of it's deep. Like there's just so many teams that are talented. It's hard to say where they'll end up. Yeah, it's that definitely. Like a few weeks into the season, I we definitely can say for sure now that the Eastern Conference looks better than the West. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to another team, though. What do you think of the Cavs? We definitely foreshadowed them a lot talking already. Well, let's talk about the Cavs today because let's talk about a guy named Rui Hachimura who went to Madison Square Garden, went eight for eight from three. Excuse me. The... Excuse me. What's his name? Ricky Rubio. You said Rui Hachimura. Oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, but... Yes, Rui Hachimura and Ricky Rubio. I mix those guys up all the time. <laughs> Ricky Rubio goes to Madison Square Garden, goes eight for eight from three, drops a career-high 37 points and 10 assists, and <laughs> helps the Cavs beat the Knicks. And that puts the Cavs – let me just refresh the uh, the standings really quick. Yeah, that puts the Cavs now at the sixth seed at a 7-4 and four record. Honestly, I'm going to have to sell. I'm going to have to sell. And I will explain why. I just have to let my roommate into the room. So you explain what your thoughts are on the Cavs. Yeah, so – Let's see with these Cavs team. I think, like Rafa said, he sells on them. I don't think that necessarily a six seed sustainable. I think an eight seed uh, is very sustainable for them. They have a really interesting, like, unit of guys together. I mean, we've already talked about a little bit last pod about how they have three bigs, um, and their team is looking really good. I mean, they still also have a lot of ways to improve. Um, They're on a four-game win streak right now. And talking about the ways they can improve, I mean, Kevin Love has been playing all right for them, but Colin Sexton has been surprisingly, like, underwhelming. He's only averaging 15 points per game. Um, Darius Garland averaging 15 points per game. So both of those guys could up those numbers. Um, Jared Allen has been great for them, 15 and 10, 15, 11. Um, Yvonne, oh, my God, I don't know, Evan Mobley. Oh, my God, Yvonne. The the amount of times they called him Yvonne. (laughs) <laughs> Evan, Evan Mobley has looked really great for them. He it made an immediate impact. Um, but like we said, Ricky Rubio, that was just a shock, you know, dropping that 37-point bomb on Madison Square Garden. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do think this team has room for improvement, but I think other teams have more room for improvement. 
I agree with that. And I think that the Cavs, like, I think some teams will start to figure them out a little bit, you know, because it's like three big thing. It's sort of like a gimmick, I feel like, you know, a lot of teams run small ball and that's sort of just the way the game is played at the moment. And so the three big lineup throws a lot of teams off. But I think once teams start to continue to play them, get their reps in, be have a lot more film to watch like, okay, what sort of strategies and what sort of plays work against uh, a lineup like this, the Cavs will start to drop a little bit. And I, I still think their squad is really solid as we see, like, you know, they have a guy like Ricky Rubio who is just an instant flamethrower off the bench and is liable to drop 40 at any moment. Oh yeah. All the time. Uh, 40 and 10. Right. Of course. But no, I think like, yeah, they're like, they're, top guys are, are actually very solid and you know I, I do like sex land and uh what do you call it uh evan mobley too so they're young guys what do you mean, and you mean like i could i could go on to yvonne <laughs> mobley. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to the final team we're going to talk about let's talk about you know an old favorite on this on this podcast los angeles Who? lakers let's go I've never heard of him. <laughs> Little team, 17 rings. But, you know, they're 5-5 five and five right now, number nine seed in the West. What are you thinking? Is this is this where they're going to be for the rest of the season or what? Yeah. No, <laughs> no I'm obviously going to gonna buy into the Lakers. I mean, LeBron has sat out in more games than he's played so far because this has been an easy part of their schedule. Um, if we're being entirely honest here, the Lakers should probably be eight and eight and two or eight and one right now, just based off of their schedule. I mean, the Lakers lost to the Warriors, understandable. Lakers lost to the Suns, understandable. But in no way should the Lakers have lost to the Thunder twice and the Trailblazers. Those are three unacceptable losses. Um, and I think part of it is this is a veteran team um, with all, where a lot of these guys on the team, let's say like Carmelo Anthony and Dwight. Um, they've always been the guy their whole career and they've never had to play real defense for an entire game. They, they're always the guy. Um, so I think when you put them in a position where you get up by like 15, 20 points, they get really comfortable, start slacking on defense. That gives the other team some momentum uh, to push back into the game. But I do think another big reason for this team's lack of success is the fact that a hundred of the rotational minutes are out right now being Kendrick Nunn, uh, Trevor Ariza, obviously LeBron, and THT. And those four guys alone make up almost half of their rotational minutes. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Once those guys get back, I can't say that they'll be a huge difference maker, but I can say I just don't know what this team is going to look like right now. But obviously they're not going to be the, the 9 or 10 seed. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't know about all that. I mean, last season, you know, the, where did the Lakers end up in the regular season? I mean, I don't think even we're, I'm talking, we're talking nine, 10 seed. I can see the Lakers being the six seed. Like, I think that's very reasonable due to injury and due to lack of caring about some regular season games. Um, but I mean, I cannot see the Lakers being in the plan again, to be honest. Fair enough. I mean, with the way the season has gone, I wouldn't be too surprised. But yeah, no, I, I think that the Lakers definitely, I would buy into them. I think that they're going to figure it out. This is a team that, like, 
right now it's just a bunch of individuals on the court. They don't really know how to play together. And obviously fitting Russell Westbrook in takes time, as we've seen on every one of his past teams. Like past All-Star break, Russell Westbrook just looks like the best player on the planet. But right now we have to witness the worst of Russell Westbrook with his airballed pull-up elbow jumpers and his missed shots and his turnovers and just every part of Westbrook that is bad. But, you know, I think the Lakers will definitely figure it out. Obviously injuries has been big. Uh, But, yeah, I think that the Lakers are better than their record suggests. I think that those two – blown deficits to the OKC Thunder were honestly unacceptable losses. Like, I don't really know how that happens. Um, Besides just, like, lack of effort, lack of caring. But once once the guys start clicking and, you know, they start getting some momentum, get on a win streak, I expect the Lakers to be top four seed, no doubt. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, But moving on, Let's talk about two guys who've been pretty disappointing this season. Um, let's first start with Michael Porter Jr., a guy we both really bought into as somebody who could be most improved, who would step up, take Jamal Murray's place. Is now averaging 9.9 points per game and on really inefficient shooting spurts um, at 35% from the field and only 20% from three. So what do you say to that? I don't know what's wrong with Michael Porter Jr. Is this guy like, did he just forget how to play basketball? You watch him play, and he's just bricking everything. He's missing wide-open layups. I don't know if you saw that in the uh, last game he played. don't remember against who it was, but he just missed a wide-open layup, like completely wide open. Um, so I don't know what he has. Does he have the yips or something? Is the moment too big for him, and he's just shrinking? Um, is this just a slump? Like, is it temporary? I don't know what it is, but he has been – very disappointing for a guy we thought could be most improved player. We might have to create a new award just for Michael Porter Jr. Like most regressed player. Cause he doesn't even look like his former self and his former self wasn't even that good. You know what I'm saying? So I hope he's able to put it together because this is his moments with Jamal Burry being out. But yeah. What do you, what do you have to say about MPJ? Uh, I just have to say like, I think there's a little, definitely a lot of room for improvement with him. I think we'll figure some more stuff out as the season progresses. I mean, people go in like shooting spurts where they're just, they're in a slump and it's just not working out. Obviously 10 games is a very large slump. Um, And if we don't see him start to improve soon, I definitely think there's a lot of area to be concerned with. Um, If you're a Nuggets fan, generally I wouldn't be too concerned because Nuggets are looking really hot right now. Uh, but I think Michael Porter Jr., uh, he'll, he'll figure it out. I think he'll end up maybe around that 15 to 18 points per game range, but I definitely don't think we'll be at that 25 like we were saying. Yeah, and uh, that's disappointing to hear because, like, you know, he had every – everything looked right for him. He was on the right team, the right time, the right moments, and he just flopped. I hate to say it, but he's, he's flopping so far. Uh, and then De'Aaron Fox is another guy who's been really disappointing. We expected him to not like have a huge jump up because he had a great season last year, very underrated, but for him to just continue that and make some improvements. Uh, but no, he's actually taken a big step back, went from 25 points per game to 18 points per game. 
shooting the ball 39% from the field, 18% from three, which if you think that's bad, look at Anthony Davis's three-point shooting percentage. Hunter, you want to tell them what that is? 14%. <laughs> He's made three threes the whole season. Um, anyways, that's not – This man's scared though. to shoot the ball. <laughs> T- talk to me about De'Aaron Fox. What's wrong with him? Yeah, um, I think that this team, generally speaking, has just a lot of guard power. And I think it might have jumbled up, like, how this the rotational minutes have worked. I think it messes up how De'Aaron Fox plays. I mean, let's just look at their list of guards. You have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell. Uh, I mean, those are the main ones I can think of off the top of my head. But that's four point guards slash shooting guards right there. Um, and that's like a lot to fit in, especially when those are all pretty much your main guys that you're going to go to. Uh, so I think adding Davion Mitchell into that, like drafting him. Yes, he did look great. Um, but that that's going to mess up your guard rotations a little bit. And that might make it really hard for Darren Fox to have any sort of continuous play. And I think we'll definitely figure it out as time goes on, but it's probably just hard for him to get into his zone. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's not really an excuse for shooting 18% from three. So I think this might be, again, just like this general shooting slump at the beginning of the season. It's pretty tried and true pattern across the league. So I wouldn't put too much weight into that. De'Aaron Fox, he's never been a guy who's had a great three-point shot, but he's always, he's always had a, a serviceable shot. So I expect him to get around to like 30 35%, you know, not great, but – he can make the three and make you respect that sort of like John Morant almost, uh, which speaking of let's move on to talk about this debate that was happening over Twitter about a week ago between who would you want to start your franchise with? Would you want to start jo- uh, your franchise with John Morant or Trey Young? I'm both jaw. I'm on the jump. Interesting. Why is that? Um, for one, I think like as a person, I like Jaw's personality on the floor better. Um, I think he's, yes, they're both leaders, but Jaw's leadership style is very much like a do as I do, attack the basket, be energetic. Um, I will help you be the best you kind of play. And Trey Young's kind of leadership style is a just stand by the three-point line and I'll get it to you if I can. Um well, well, Trey Young will drive and kick just like Jaw will. Jaw's a little more emphatic with it, and I think he has takes on a more more of a team aspect, which I really like. Um, although they both have similar assist numbers, and you could say that Trey's assist numbers are higher. Um, I also like the way that Jaw doesn't do the foul baiting. Obviously, that's going to stop as the league got rid of that rule. But you know, Trey still does it every once in a while right now, uh, or tries to get it. Um, I also like. Just, I think I buy into Jaw as well, just in every way. Like, honestly, I just love him as a player. I think he only can go up. Um, and I see him being a superstar in this league for a very long time. You know, Trey's going to be a superstar in the league too, but it's a lot easier to be a slashing star than a shooting star because slashing is m- much more reliable. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what is this take? I'm saying, sl- I'm saying as, as, as a superstar, it is easier to become a star in the slashing department than it is in the 
in in the shooting department that's because shooting is to be streaky. No, I mean like that's there's there's exceptions take. to that. There's exceptions. Like Steph Curry is obviously Those are the top five players in the NBA right now. How many of them are slashers and how many of them are primarily shooters? Okay, not necessarily. No, I, I mean like I'm, not, okay, not by like I by by shooting. I mean like the type of shooting shot. Trey takes. I don't mean just like general shooting, like if you can't make a shot kind of style. I mean like the kind of logo threes kind of ball. The the way Trey plays is not is going to be streaky. Let's be real about that. Sure, he's streaky, but he's and draws way more consistent. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, let's talk about results, right? Because results are the only thing that really matters. I mean, there's not the only thing that matters, but those are the things that are tangible. The things that you know, you can really point to. So, hey, if we're talking the- about results, why don't we talk about how the Grizzlies are the five seed and how the Hawks are the what twelve seed? What? We're, we're like That's kind of crazy. In. What are we talking about? It's look, crazy. Okay, look, Trey Young. What did he do with that Atlanta Hawks team last year that nobody expected? They were the five seed, and where did they go? The Eastern Conference Finals. And guess what? Trey Young was spearheading that, and he was doing it all. He was passing the ball. He was shooting it lights out. He was leading his team. You know, he was a vocal leader. Let's see what John Morant did last postseason. They got one win against the Jazz. That's incredible. That's such a great leader. You know, it's almost like the one versus eight seed matchup. It's just a, a slight okay, difference in the skill disparity in the four or five it? matchup. Whose fault is it that the that the Grizzlies ended up as the eight the seed? front office? The front office? What do you mean they yes. look at roster construction. If you look at roster construction, the Hawks are the perfect are the perfect roster construction to be around Trey. And the Grizzlies are not per, like well constructed around Jaw. No, not nearly as well constructed as they as the Hawks are constructed for Trey, the 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 Hawks are a team with a lot of veteran presence. Like you got have got guys like Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, um, who else? You're gonna come trying to think. Clint Capella. Yeah, Clint Capella. Absolutely. Think. Look at all these guys who've been around the league, played winning basketball, played big roles on teams, and then you look at what you have in the Grizzlies—a very young, young team. That's not to say the Hawks aren't young, but the Hawks have more guys who can be dependable. Um, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. was out last year with injury, so you can't even include him. Um, and then you have Jonas Valanciunas. What, Grayson Allen? Is that your next best guy on your entire team? What are you talking about, bro? You're forgetting about the guy who popped off of them last season? Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, like exactly. You're you can name maybe two. I can name like six or seven guys on the Hawks, and you can name one guy on the, the whole Grizzlies team that kind okay. of plays have, well. You have slow-mo as well. Obviously, Brandon Clark is there. He's hooping. Like uh, on, he's bro. there. <laughs> Brandon Clark is there. That's Dude, the keeper. He, he's there. Desmond we talk Bain? about Desmond Bain did nothing last year. This year, is he's really did nothing last year. Excuse me. Last year, he was he was balling too. The point is, the roster construction is way better for the Hawks team, and you cannot deny that. You can't say that the Grizzlies have an equivalent roster construction to the Hawks. Honestly, you raise a fair point, and I, I was just trying to play devil's advocate, but now nah, I would take Trey as well. I mean, Jaw. I mean, Jaw. 
<laughs> yeah, You're having some questionable takes today, sir. Did we switch positions? No, no, I said I would take Jaw. What are you talking about? I agree with you. I know, I know. No. All right, but, uh, but anyway, let's move yeah. on. Uh, so there was this interesting comment made by Michael Malone, coach of the Nuggets. He was talking about Boogie Cousins, and he said he doesn't get why Boogie isn't on an NBA roster. So I was just wondering if you think that DeMarcus Cousins should be on an NBA team right now. Um, I don't know. I think there's a reason if he's not on the team. I think that he is obviously a great offensive weapon, especially from the three-point line at this point in his career. He can be utilized really well. But he's just played off of the floor on the defensive end, and it's really hard for him to stay in because he's become very immobile since having his surgeries and his leg issues. Um, and I think it's really sad because when Boogie was a force in the league on the Kings and even on the Pelicans, I loved him. He was such a cool, fun guy to watch. Um, but I think it's just too hard for him to stay on the floor because I think he'll give up more points than he's going to make. Get you. Like, I think it's that simple. You want to know another guy who um... – Isaiah Thomas? No, who gets played off the floor because of his bad defense and only contributes a little bit on the offensive end? Who? He's a guy on the Lakers. Center for the Lakers? The center for the Lakers? DJ? On, yeah, but DeAndre Jordan, there's a, there's a much greater use in the NBA for, like, vertical threat centers than there is for three-point centers. At this point in his career, I would not call – I would not call DeAndre Jordan a vertical threat center. He yeah, no, ver- he, he's, a, he's, he's he's still a vertical threat. He's just not, a, he's just not a, a horizontal threat. I mean, he just can't move side to side. He can still get up there and give, get a block for the team. Uh, I mean, I think – look, I'd put, look, it's just like I think they serve different roles, and I think it's a role the Lakers need more than they need out of Boogie. Like, like the Lakers don't need that role. I can't the speak Lakers as already other teams. Have Dwight to fulfill that role. Why do they need another worse version of Dwight? So where are they going to fit Boogie into that roster? I don't think this should become Lakers talk, but generally no, speaking, I think that the point is I think that Boogie. If the Lakers cut DeAndre Jordan and signed Boogie, that would make them a better team. That's all I'm saying. I really don't think it would have that much of an impact because I don't think he's going to be get, getting any minutes. Um, that's why I mean I just think that's the case for most teams around the league. It's like yeah, I guess he could be comparable to other players on my squad, but why am I going to cut a guy and then have to pay him and then I'll have to also pay Boogie? I, I just think that's where most teams in the league stay. I mean, like I feel like Isaiah Thomas might be in that similar boat where it's like he just gets played off the floor defensively. Yes, he's an incredible offensive threat, but I think at this point in his career, most teams are thinking it's just not worth the money or the the risk there. I don't know. I still, I'm like a big anti DeAndre Jordan guy, so um, I would, I would cut him and bring on Demarcus because I just think he give, would give you more on the offensive end and just be neutral basically on the defensive end with DJ. But let's move on. Last topic of the day. Let's uh, let's talk about rookie rankings. Give our top five rookies in order. So we, all right, let's start with five. Up. All right, so for five for me, I put Jalen Green. Okay, I had Josh Giddy. Interesting. Okay, so talk to me about Josh Giddy. Yeah, so I honestly think he's probably had one of the best like rookie outings so far, like in the league. Um, he right now he's averaging twelve and a half, seven and five, uh, and a steal and a half per game. He's been really interesting. A six seven point guard, very long, 
Um, and he's been a great leader. Like he's kind of made an instant impact for this OKC team. And he, I mean, since I was watching the Laker game, he was the one who led the comeback in one of the games to beat the Lakers. Um, and they were down by 26 points in that game. And then boom, Josh Beatty comes back and he has 18 and 10. Um, so I think he's done it really well. And he does it all. He scores, he playmakes, he rebounds, and he plays defense. So I think he's I'm just going to be pretty solid. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm, oh, my God, he's all-star talent or anything like that. But he's really solid so far. Yeah. I feel you. I just I put Jalen Green above him because I put I would put Giddy at like six uh, because I think Jalen Green he has just contributed more uh, in terms of scoring. I think that I mean he's averaging not the best numbers, he's averaging fourteen four and four. But recently he's been stepping up and on the offensive end, and he's not a terrific defender by any stretch of the imagination. But I think his shot making and the difficulty of shots that he is making is just impressive. And I think we're only going to see him get better. And I love his fit on this team. Uh, and yeah, I, I would put get, or, uh, green at five. So let's, you want to move on to four? Yeah, sure. What's your four? I'll put uh, Franz Wagner. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You, you want to talk about that? Uh, I put Chris Duarte. Okay. So, I put Franz Wagner because, I mean, he's averaging 16-4-2. He's really been balling in, in Orlando. I didn't know that he was going to hoop this this much. He had a really great game recently, dropped a career high, like 20-something points. Uh, threw down a thunderous dunk, too, like a poster dunk. It was crazy. Um, and yeah, he just fits right in with the young guys in this team. He's been balling on the offensive end, shooting the ball at a good percentage. I mean, basically doing exactly what the Magic drafted him for. And is already looking better than his brother, Mo. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, so I'll talk about Chris Dorte. I think, obviously, he's one of the oldest uh, – or he is the oldest guy in this draft. Uh, so that is a little bit of a minus on that. But as far as his play, he's been definitely been one of the top guys as far as rookies go, averaging 16 points, four rebounds, two assists. Um, he's been really efficient, and I just have loved his style of play so far. And he's been one of the highlights on this really poor start for this Pacers team. I agree. And uh, I actually had Chris Duarte at number three. And I, I had I had Franz Wagner at number three. So, I mean, let's just yeah. – it's just a flip-flop there. I think both of them are about the same, like in my, in my eyes – uh, so I think our one and two are actually going to be the same. So my one was Scotty Barnes and my two was Evan Mobley. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly so what I put. You want to talk about uh, Scotty Barnes? I'll talk about Evan Mobley. Sure. So you want to go ahead since it's Evan or since Evan Mobley is our number two, you can start with that. Sure. I mean, Evan Mobley just looked uh, terrific. This guy looks reminds me a lot of like a baby AD or baby KG almost. Um, he's averaging more blocks per game than Jared Allen, which is crazy. He's averaging 14-8-2, just looking like he can do it all on the defensive end. Like, he can get switched onto a, a shifty guard and still keep up with him. Um, and obviously, he's, like, a block threat, too. Uh, good rim protector as well. And on the offensive end, he's very versatile. Like, he has a pretty decent jump shot, um, can score in a multitude of ways. And I've just been thoroughly impressed with Evan Mobley and – yeah, there was a lot of doubts about him, but he's really putting them all to rest. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and then moving on to Scotty Barnes, 
wow, what a surprise. I think people have their doubts about him. But right now he's averaging 18, 9, and 2, which is pretty incredible. And not only that, but this is a really interesting stat I just read. He's having such a good season on the offensive end of the floor as far as efficiency goes that against if everybody uh, in the league, of anybody taking at least 14 field goal attempts per game, he ranks fourth in the whole, whole entire league by efficiency, right behind Kevin Durant. Damn, that's crazy. He's right behind Kevin Durant in efficiency for guys who are high-volume field goal attempt guys. That is a ridiculous stat. I mean, for a rookie to be holding a title like in the same like sphere as Kevin Durant as far as efficiency goes, obviously that's not necessarily sustainable for him. Um, but he's looked really great. He's been an instant, instant change in this team. Like obviously, you have Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi. These guys have been around the league and they know how to play winning basketball, and they have. But Scotty Barnes has been their glue. And that is really impressive. And I think those Draymond comparisons were really interesting. And I think he's like Draymond in that glue kind of guy way. But I think he does even more than that. I think he could be more than Draymond is. I agree. I think that, you know, especially on the offensive end, he's just been, like, really showing out. That, that was the biggest criticism of his game was that he looked like he needed a lot of development, was really a project on that side of the floor. But he's been – really really playing well on the offensive end as well so just been impressed with scotty barnes and uh yeah as, as of right now he's looking like my rookie of the year as well yeah and i didn't have to agree with that i think that's a good place to end it so thank you all so much for listening uh, it was another great episode um yeah we'll uh we'll see you all in the next episode take care bye